listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We're so glad to have you back. Hey, listen, if you have not checked out the archives, I want to encourage you to buzz over to lifeway.com slash kids. Lifeway.com slash kids is the one place where you will find everything Lifeway Kids. Ongoing curriculum resources, vacation Bible school stuff that's fresh and new. There's training. There's there's resources there to help you share the gospel with your kids. All kinds of great things, including our blog and back episodes of the podcast that you can find right there at lifeway.com slash kids. Check it out. Share it with your friends. Hey, like and follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. Those are great ways to get the podcast and the blog stuff pushed to you so that we can equip and encourage you as a leader in your ministry. And so that's our desire, guys. We want to continually inspire you, encourage you, invest in you so that you have what you need to get back in the trenches next Sunday to engage with your kids in ways that are increasingly effective. So check us out, lifeway.com slash kids, and we'd love to stay connected with you through all the social channels and all the places. We know that the work that you do is hard. The work of ministry, there's a reason it's called that. Paul calls, uh, he says that the spiritual gifts are given for doing the work of ministry. That means it can be hard sometimes. And guys, part of that is we move from a place where a lot of us enter into kids ministry because we enjoy working with kids. And then we find out that the job is a lot bigger than that. And that means we're often in, in most of our time, not working with kids, but leading adults. And so we become leaders of leaders and leaders of programs and leaders of processes. And so a lot of us are just not equipped to be that leader that we need to be. So we need a little help and a little advice. And so when I think of leaders and leadership, there's only one person that comes to mind that, well, there's probably a few, but there's one who rises to the top of that. <laughs> and his name is Todd Adkins. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Todd is the director of leadership at Lifeway Leadership. And Todd has this mind, which I really like. Uh, we don't get to spend enough time together, Todd, but whenever you get to present and you talk about leadership and all the things that you speak to, you're a strategic thinker. You organize things into uh, constructs and strategies. And I just love the way that you package thoughts that make them easy to follow. That's That speaks to me. That's kind of my love language is things that start with the same letter or that have a cool organizational structure. So we're going to get into some of that with you. But first, but first, we often do a but first on the podcast, Todd. <laughs> I want to know when, when was it that you started to have a passion or an interest in leadership? What was it that first made you think, huh, maybe, maybe this is something that I'm interested in? Man, I don't know. I mean, I did different leadership things in, you know, high school and stuff like that. I mean, were you like um, a Cub Scout leader when you were a kid? No, uh, we didn't have Cub Scouts. Okay. I was middle of nowhere, Kentucky. You were rural. <laughs> Extremely rural. One stoplight in the county, not the the town. Um, there was 100 people in my graduating class, and we were one high school in the county. So there's not a lot of... Uh, experience that you're going to get in the leadership realm there. In college, um, you know, I was a, uh, my first role in the church was actually a uh, youth and children's combo. Um, and I was doing that in college, which I would not recommend. I learned a lot. Um, I certainly made a lot of mistakes, but, um, you know, it was really 
when I, uh, I've led a couple student ministries, I'm in seminary. And for whatever reason, I ended up at the first catalyst. Um, mm. This is 2000. And it just, it just completely um, lit my mind up to, oh, I don't have to be a student pastor and then become a senior pastor. I think I'm actually wired to be this strange and wonderful thing known as an executive pastor today. Now, that term is a lot different than it was 20 years ago right. because uh, because it, it used to mean one thing and now it means many, many things. There's like six different kinds of executive pastor and I can go on a podcast and talk about that, but we're not here to talk about that. We're talk, here to talk about leadership. So for me, um, there's this guy named Eric Geiger that we both know. We were in seminary together, along with my wife, was uh, in, in classes with us, making better grades than we did. Um, but um, I had this role at a church as an associate uh, director, or not an associate, uh, it was a intern, interim, man, I need more coffee, an interim role as the adult pastor. And it was, man, it was, uh, I was like 24, 25, and... Um, still, you know, a little young, uh, for that role, but the pastor had come in and he was like, man, just go get, forget your MDiv, get your mace and, mm. you know, come do this. Let's do this. Well, he didn't actually have enough change in his pocket to make that happen. I wasn't terribly spiritually mature. So when that did happen, um, Eric Geiger and I ended up going to Cincinnati to start a student ministry there called Elevate, very original name in the late 1990s. Uh, and it was fascinating because uh, what ended up happening was I, Eric and I really put into play what um, became their his book with Tom Rainer, Simple Church. That's actually on uh, that dissertation. That's actually more about that student ministry than anything else. Well, huh. hold with me. I'm, I'm running a long rabbit, but hold with me. What happened to me was um, I'd read tons of books about leadership by this point. Um, I had gone to Catalyst and, you know, the, kind of got woken up. Um, I convinced my professors to let me read, you know, business books instead of the typical seminary books. Church Handbook of Administration. How about instead I read Noel Teachy Leadership Engine and tell you how it applies, write a paper on how it applies to the church. And was lucky enough to have professors that would let me do that. But here's what happened. <clears throat> when I was at that church, uh, the where I was in the interim role as adult, I, of course, started a young adult ministry because that's what you do. Uh, and it grew to like 200 and some people. It wasn't because I was a great uh, preacher. It was because I was a systems thinker. I was good at process. I was good at all of that. Um, and I loved saying, hey, you know, leadership is poetry and plumbing. It's, yeah, it's vision, but you got to deliver on the dream. And it was a lot of hustle and a lot of personality. And when I came back a year after being in Cincinnati with Eric, my ministry went from, you know, 200 and some people on a Sunday night to 45, 50. And it absolutely wrecked me. Half the time I tell the story, I get very emotional about it because I realized up to that point, I was practicing leadership placement and not leadership development. I was putting too much emphasis on the poetry and the plumbing and not enough on the people. Mm. And um, it ch completely changed the course of my of my life. And that's when I knew this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do forever. 
I'll make way more damage uh, happen for the kingdom in a positive manner if I'm doing this type of role versus just being, you know, a halfway decent preacher. Yeah. And that's saying a lot. Well, there's definitely something to how we approach leading other leaders, developing volunteers. I guess that word developing is even a loaded word, right? Because development is not assumed. We, we, we have needs to have people in positions. You mentioned that positional placement, but that's only one level. And that's really a low level of how we might think about partnering with other people in ministry, just to kind of fill a need to fill a gap. Uh, we know in the kid space that we constantly have to be recruiting new people. And if we do that out of a sense of need and obligation, there's a very low level of commitment, a low level of response, a low level of buy-in to what we're doing. It's just, we just need you to fill this, or otherwise we're going to shut down the nursery, right? If we need three people. So we, we need to move beyond that as we lead our leaders towards developing them into something, investing in leaders to help them even be leaders who produce other leaders, ideally right. at some point in time. So Todd, you have, and again, I mentioned, I love your constructs and, uh, and the way that you organize thoughts. You have uh, a really cool construct here. Uh, that's the, I call it the three D's like a, it's a shared ministry in three D, uh, where you talk about different ways that we might place or engage with our volunteers. So let's start with that. Um, you, you Tell us what the three Ds are, and then let's talk through them together. So the three Ds, uh, three levels of shared ministry, and this is, I want to say it's Hendricks or Malfers. So almost half of half of what you would hear me say, Andy Stanley say, <laughs> Will Mancini or Tony Morgan is like Hendricks and Malfers. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's been pasteurized, uh, and Pas- made for pasteurized. normal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and made, for, made for normal people. Um, otherwise they're very academic, but I'm a back to the sources guy too, just like my theologian friends. Um, and so it, it's really, there's three levels of shared ministry. There's dumping, there's delegating and developing. And it's hard for me not to be, you know, I actually have, if you could see me right now, I have, it's almost like I have a pencil in my hand, a pen in my hand on a whiteboard. I'm about to draw a pyramid. Yep, I see and three you levels. drawing the thing in, in the air. And, yep. and, and three levels, because what typically happens in a church, the largest level, that lower level is dumping. And that is where I don't care about the person or the position. I really just care about getting a person into that position. I'm not matching those two things together. Um, this is a case where sometimes in children's ministries, and I'm about to, uh, I'm about to meddle right now. Um, meddle, conscription. Todd. That's what we con- brought you here for. <laughs> conscription does not lead to commitment. Mm. So I've been in churches where, um, you know, hey, you're a preschool parent, so you're conscripted into service in our preschool ministry. Yeah, or hey, who has a kid has to take their turn. That's right. right. Or hey, you're a member, and all of our members serve in this area because it's a big part of our mission and vision and values. Like we can't say kids are the most important thing unless our members are all you know in there. So part of membership means you're serving in kids. Was actually at a church where that was the case. Actually, and dismantled why, Todd, that. Tell us why, because I feel strongly that that is a terrible way to get volunteers. Tell us why you think that's not the best approach. 
Well, because that's the that's the dumping approach. It's if you you say you want weekly volunteers, not warm bodies in your classroom, mm-hmm. but you're certainly not selling your setting yourself up for that. Um, the other thing that you're doing is it's it's not great for the the family that's coming in either because the kid's seeing a different person every week, um, all of that. But ask me the question again because I feel like I was already starting to run a rabbit there. Well, so the the question is why is this uh, – you know, the idea that we might have people serve out of need and obligation. I say if you ask people to serve out of need and obligation, you're going to get a no. Need and obligation spells N-O. Uh, yeah. we, need to, we need to have people serve out of a greater sense of purpose rather than to just be on a rotation – yeah, uh, when, when it, discipleship so happens in relationship, and when we take this approach to just having a warm body read a piece of paper, we can't really call that discipleship. So you're saying why is this the case? Why I'm saying why why? Well, that, I just want to encourage I, listeners who are you. doing it this way that maybe that's not the best way to approach it. It's not you're doing it that way because that's how it was done to you, most likely. Um, so uh, it's a system that's I, been in place that you're just yes. replicating. Do you want to know how I learned to swim? My dad and my uncle took me and my cousin, who's around the same age, down to the creek. Uh-huh. And one got in the water and the other one kept throwing us in until we learned to swim. I'm not joking. I've not had therapy. Um, <laughs> I don't know this that I necessarily lot, so I need stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm, when I say I'm from the hollers, uh, hills of Kentucky, uh, that's, that's certainly the case. Um, but... A lot of us can relate to that from a ministry perspective, too, because I can tell you at that first role that I mentioned earlier, I had no business in that role. Um, You know, there's a reason why uh, in most of our states you will have to, you know, you're 15 or 16 uh, when you can apply to get your driver's license. So what's that process like? Well, I have to pass a written test before I can do anything. Then uh, I have to, you know, apply for it. Then I have to ride alongside somebody. Then I finally, you know, get to drive because I have some competence. And that occurred again in the context of a relationship. It wasn't just training and boom, I'm in. And so uh, going back to the thought of the uh, being conscripted in, even if you have a great process, even if you have great onboarding, yeah, we do background checks and we make sure everybody has a role description that's a one pager. And yeah, we give them, you know, kind of what they need. You're still, you're, you might be delegating, but you're probably not. You really don't care about that person match with that position. And if they're passionate about it, um, you really just care about filling the role. And so the way to get out of that is to tie it to purpose. I mean, people are carriers of culture, not paper. So yes. even if you've got vision and values up on the wall, even if you say stuff from stage, um, it, people are carriers of culture. So yes, culture eats strategy for breakfast, but it yes. gets its appetite from purpose. So you need to tie the purpose of your church to your children's ministry. You need to tie the purpose of what those people are coming to do each week directly to that experience in their heart. And yes. you can't just do it from a, a poetry piece. You can't just do it from a, 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 sorry, a plumbing piece. You also have to have some of those people there. So the I want to lift up the poster child volunteers that I have, and that's who I want to recruit and develop other people. 
Mm-hmm. I should not be recruiting and developing the volunteers. The volunteers should be recruiting and developing the volunteers. Mm-hmm. They know more normal people. They actually know the role better than I do because they do it each week, even if I set it up. Right. Um, but I need to find that and I need to find those people and get that process started so that I can move forward. It's not going to happen overnight. I can't just take everything offline and start it again in three months. Um, Sunday's coming. I get that. But what I can begin to do is find those people who already exhibit the passion yep. and purpose, passion for ch- children and and purpose with um, for our church, contextualize within that children's ministry. And that's who I'm wanting to kind of lift up, not the person just because they show up each week and are really responsible and, you know, they can fog a mirror. And just um, right, and just meets a need that we have for, I, yeah. I, I go back to basketball, high school basketball, where we had you know, on my team in my little school, you know, we had, we had four guys who were pretty good but you had to have five on the court, right? So we had we had to have some other person who was just there who just didn't get in the way, but we had to have five to play for court balance. We don't want to approach our ministries that way. We want to be, uh, if that's where we're at, we need to do something to invest in that person to instill in them the purpose and the passion, right? Because they they may not come with those. That's something that we need to communicate. I'm I'm glad you introduced the word passion. Uh, I was going to interject that that once we know purpose, purpose and passion have to align together so that we can drive with energy in the same direction. So I, I think what's interesting here too is if you look at the history of the church for the last forty years. I was a big part of the church growth movement, so. I'm throwing shade on myself uh, to a certain extent, but you know, as um, as time has progressed, we since uh, since the 1980s, early 80s, we have been a very affluent country. I'm speaking about the U.S. church here. Even in 2008, you know, I know we had a little rough spot there, um, but we have gotten very used to a culture of excellence. We've gotten very used to um, buying leaders, not building them. So if I need this spot, it's absolutely essential for Sunday morning. I'm just going to pay a part-time person 10 to 15 hours a week. Um, And what we've done is we've taken layers of leadership out of our children's ministries, which is the most important ministry of the church, in my opinion. Sorry for anybody. I I know I'm I'm preaching to the choir. Preaching to the choir on that one. Yes. Um, the most important ministry of the church. Uh, and we've thrown money at it out of desperation mm-hmm. in that we'll sometimes um, hire little part-time positions when they could be um, a, a, a higher level lay leader position. But you can't do that unless you are developing people. And so when I say dumping, delegating, developing, I'm talking about dumping doesn't care. It's just trying to fill the spot. Delegating, I actually care about the person. Yeah. I care, I care about the person and their gifting. And um, I have prepared a process for them that's clear, that has some some next steps. But honestly, when you look at the research, um, over 90% of churches will say training is critical to the health and growth of their church, but only 27% actually have any plan in place to do so. 
Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, there's very similar on evangelism, uh, similar stats. The, the interesting thing about churches, though, when they say training, if you double click in there, it's not ongoing development. It's onboarding. And that's it. It is when we say we, we care about training, we're really saying we care about onboarding. So you might, you know, get a, a one page job description. You might get some training, but and there's so not. Onboard, yeah. Onboarding to me sounds like it's a, it's a one time thing that yes. covers the minimum basics, the requirements for admission, right? Where you have to have two adults in a room, you know, it's covering the basic things that we have to have. And then with that little bit, we call them trained and turn them loose. Right. And so what I'm saying is if you want to get to the development place, you actually have to care about the individual person mm-hmm. and, and it, invest in them. Invest in them. Because here's the thing. Um, I can there's, – there's really – when I'm putting a volunteer in a place – so we do this thing called Leadership Pipeline. Um, and there's five levels in it. There's volunteer. I'm leading self. Uh, leader, I'm leading others. Um, a coach is a leader of leaders. A director is a leader of a uh, ministry area of the church. And finally, you know, leading the church. Well, those can have layers within those layers. I mean, if you have a large children's ministry, you probably have a director and then a preschool director and early elementary or whatever. Like it, it, it all scales. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is this, when someone is a volunteer and leading self, what I want to see is them move from through three phases of that ministry. Mm-hmm. And this only happens if you have development. A learner is just coming through the onboarding phase. They, if, if you're really good at onboarding, then you're going to give people confidence. Training is more about confidence than it is competence at first. Mm -hmm. I'm getting into that role and I become a competent leader. So I'm moving from learner to leader. And that's most of the time where we just either leave the person there Mm -hmm. or we ask them to lead other people. We we bring them one rung up. Um, And what I'm saying is no, no. You move person from learner to leader to multiplier and you ask them to recruit and develop other volunteers. Again, you may be you may be over the whole ministry, but they actually understand that classroom and those children or that area of ministry better than you do after three months or a year or two. And they know what it takes to do it, what other, what characteristics to look for around their friends and other people they know. And they may be the best suited to be like, boy, Todd, you'd be really great in working with our third graders. You would love the culture we have in our ministry. And then they become recruiters who multiply your ministry for you. I love that. Yeah. And so um, it is understanding that. You really do need a role description for every volunteer role in your church, by the way. If you don't have a one-pager, then you're you're probably a dumper. Um, and P.S., if you wonder why another area of the church or you look out in your community and you're like, man, our church has some really great leaders, but they volunteer, you know, outside of here and other parachurch ministries or other just civic ministries, social ministries, or not ministries, but things— it's probably because we dump on them. It probably is. And, and so when the you be- dump on people, they don't stick around. 
Especially right a leader. Because you feel dumped on and you're carrying a weight of stuff that you're not equipped to handle. It's not fulfilling or satisfying. It is ob right. obligation. And you're going to have to replace those leaders much more quickly. When so, you delegate, so then delegate and then move us into developing. What is, how does development look different than delegation and that initial training? And what is the big benefit of leading in that way? So if you're, so, um, when a person has become competent in that role, they move from learner and being onboarded well to like leading, they become competent. Mm -hmm. At that point, the only way I'm developing them is if I have capacity to do so. Like if I, you, as a, um, there's a great book called Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal. Um, it's about the military and the way it's formed. Uh, if you want to know why Russia is getting crushed right now, in part, it's due to this thing. Um, it's a top-down approach. It's a bunch of people that have to go th up through to make a decision or, or whatever. Whereas um, Ukraine has a team of team approach <laughs> um, and is saying, hey, you're the, you're the person that's on the ground. You're the best equipped to make the decision. That mm -hmm. is actually a, a U.S. military doctrine that's gone way back. But here's the thing. From a... Um, a research perspective where you start to get the most effective teams, it, it maxes out at six or seven. If you think about span of care and the number of people that I can have a realistic development type of a relationship with, it's six or seven. Um, now, I might be able to administratively oversee two dozen people, but I'm practicing, I'm practicing placement, not development with that mentality. Right. And so if we want to become uh, multipliers, if we want a multiple multiplication mindset in our children's ministry, then we have to, you know, model that and we have to take people through that. Most instances when I'm in a church, I was with six big churches last week in, um, in Houston. And of course the person that has the most volunteers and the most leaders and sometimes the most staff is the children's director. And so the, the issue almost every time is that there needs to be a coaching level or a leader level. Either it's the staff person and a bunch of volunteers or it's staff, some leaders and volunteers. Um, and, and it's just too many for them to possibly oversee and develop. Um, so you kind of want that ratio of one to six. So if you already have, if you're like, Hey, that still won't work. My children's ministry is so huge. Great. Then you can add senior coaches, you know, to that mix. Um, but really from a span of care piece, you're wanting to put people on, Hey, what is their next step? It's, it's once somebody becomes competent in a role, um, it's harder for me to find great things for them to continue to develop uh, in an ongoing manner without connecting them to somebody who is not beneath them uh, in an org chart or, or any kind of social way, but somebody who's not as far along yet in our children's ministry. In some ways, um, their development becomes developing others. Because when you look at great, com great Commission, you know, that's disciples making disciples, making disciples to making disciples. Yes. And we want to be able to hold up um, people up on stage. Not that... Hey, this is Miss Mabel, and she worked for 86 hours so VBS could happen this year. Right. That's great. Awesome. We should recognize Miss Mabel every once in a while. The, the big thing is nobody else can do that because Miss Mabel's retired 
and she really enjoys being Miss Mabel and, and, and all that. What I want to do is hold up somebody who has uh, developed two or three, like here's two or three generations. Here's a Paul, here's a Timothy, here's a faithful man, and here's a guy who did likewise. Right. Um, that's who I want to lift up in the church and be like, hey, look at this. Like, I just want to point this out to you guys. I mean, because it's important to celebrate that. And if we can at the church level, then we should do it at, at least at the ministry level. Um, but that's a much better look than begging from stage for volunteers. Absolutely. Because so that's what I want to be a part of. Todd, great thoughts. Very challenging uh, for us to evaluate how we're approaching our ministry currently by default. And I appreciate this challenge to help us know that there may be better ways and that we need as leaders to choose to look for the ways that are really more effective in creating multipliers. That is what's satisfying. You know, when I think of uh, Exodus 18, where Jethro comes to Moses, Moses is, is, you know, he sits down in the chair and all of Israel lines up to come to him with their problems so he can rule between them and judge over them and uh, help them make decisions. And Jethro says, man, what you're doing isn't good. He's like, you're going to, you're going to burn out. You can't sustain this. And so he tells them, set people over thousands and hundreds and tens, and then equip them and train them and empower them to make the little decisions and then bring the big ones to you. There's a structure there that is built in training and uh, competency and confidence and character and there's a level of commitment, all of that wrapped in culture and in relationship. So leadership like this, guys in the church, listeners, really has to happen in relationship. If all we're doing is filling slots uh, so that we have court balance, so that we have enough players on the field, we're really missing the mark of what true discipleship is. We need leaders who are committed, who are connected, who are consistent so that they can build relationships with kids. And it's in that context that we communicate the content of the gospel. Todd Adkins, thank you, brother, for your info, if you're in so insight, insight, I can't, I need coffee too. Thank you for your insight and for the information you shared, dude. It's great to have you on. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Hey, listeners, you can find more from Todd and his team at Lifeway Leadership at lifeway.com slash leadership. That's pretty easy. Lifeway Leadership at lifeway.com slash leadership. When you go to that website, you're going to find some great tools. You'll find access to uh, Ministry Grid and information about that, which is a great place to go to find training for yourself and for your team. You'll find strategies and ideas for leadership, community, and development. There's some free eBooks you can find there. And then of course, Todd, uh, one of the hosts of the 5LQ, uh, Five Leadership Questions podcast. And you can find a link to that all there, Lifeway Leadership, lifeway.com slash leadership. Guys, don't just be uh, recruiting people out of need and obligation. Uh, look at yourself as a leader of leaders, a developer of multipliers, and your ministry will be much more fulfilling and satisfying. That was the promise to Moses in Exodus 18. If you do these things, you will have endurance and the people will leave satisfied. And what more do we need than that? Guys, thanks for listening. Todd, thanks again for being here. Guys, we'll see you back again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. <laughs>